Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website at countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me, and give us a follow there as well. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Shantea. Now, Shantea is a Canadian born and raised artist who is currently chasing a career down in Nashville. Things have really taken off, especially here in Canada, just over the last couple of months as her single Broke to Brand New burns up the airwaves on Canadian radio. Now, as we found out in our conversation, she has been focused on a career in country music ever since she was a young girl, and she has taken control of this journey, and she is doing everything she can to make it successful. So please enjoy our conversation with Shantaya. Let's talk about growing up in Spiritwood, Saskatchewan, a small town. Now, what did growing up look like within that? Was it very small town community living? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a a town of a thousand people. Um, So growing up, my, you know, my parents, uh, I have two older brothers, uh, they just let us go ride our bikes around town. And it was, it was very laid back. Uh, everybody knew everybody, you know, it's kind of hard not to when there's only a thousand people. So, um, my, my mom was a hairdresser and my dad worked away from home and we'd be back and forth. So, um, my mom being a hairdresser, I growing up, it was like, everybody knew, like, I don't know the gossip, I guess that was like going on in town. Like it was, it was sort of, it was just like really fun because people were always coming in and out of our home and, and uh, just like that open door policy living in a small town. So it was, it was very, very cool living and growing up in Spearwood. And so your songwriting, has that been very influenced by that small town living and maybe by some of that gossip that you heard growing up? Yeah, I've, I've definitely, there's a few songs that are going to be on my upcoming album that very much, um, I think moving away, uh, I moved away at 16, I guess, but um, now I guess looking back on some of my like years uh, as, a, as a kid and a teen in a small town, um, you sometimes complain about it a lot growing up, but then you get to a certain age in your adult life where you're paying for rent and you're, you know, doing all these adult things and you realize how good you had it. So there's a couple songs uh, that are coming up on the record that are very nostalgic to growing up, uh, just my, my childhood. That's awesome. And I do want to talk about some other stuff before we get to moving away. But while we're talking about it, growing up in a small town, what was it within you that allowed you to sort of branch out and be okay with moving away at such a young age? Was that something instilled with you from family? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because like my my two older brothers, they're they're homebodies. They're um they don't push out of their comfort zone a whole lot. They my one brother who's still in Spiritwood, uh bought a house, a farmhouse and is raising cattle and and uh like living the most like 
humble, simple life in spirit with Saskatchewan. And, and I was just there over the weekend, like visiting and it's, it's fun. It's very nostalgic going back. Um, but I don't know what it was really. Cause my dad is, he's a tourist. So he like, doesn't like change and, and he's stubborn in his ways. So my mom, I guess would be probably the bigger influence in, in like pushing me to want change and, and something bigger in life. And I've always been that kind of like googly eyed, starry eyed kid that just wanted more. And um, she really encouraged that. And my dad did too, but just in his own ways, like he likes things to stay the same. And um, I definitely really liked like going for something different and trying new things and feeling that like pit in my stomach where like you're kind of scared and, and it's a little weird, you know, moving out of the comfort zone, but then there's so many great things that come from it. So I think I like that part of it. Like once you get past the, being uncomfortable, then it's like exhilarating and an adrenaline rush when you get to experience something new. So I think my mom was a big part of that. And your mom, talk about her strength, even just over the last couple of years, because she is a breast cancer survivor. And so talk about the influence that she has had, especially just over the last couple of years and seeing that strength within her. Yeah, you know, um, you get me all teared up. Uh, I, my mom was like my best friend. She, um, I, I was, you know, actually the one that walked down with her to, she could pick one person to go down with her to her surgery. And, and uh, she asked me to go with her. And, oh, wow. and I, I think that like is, I don't know, we have such a strong bond. We fight sometimes, we'll bicker and, and you know, those things, but she's my best friend. And um, her strength, honestly, when she found out that she had breast cancer, um, she spent like one day just being mad at the world. And that's kind of her policies. Like you can just be mad for, you know, one second, if something really crappy happens in your life, like be mad about it, but then find a way to like be better and, or, you know, come through. And that's just how she is. So she just really is like our rock. And, um, yeah, I don't know what I do without her. I, I think about that as I get older, I'm just like, she's gone through so much in her life. And, and, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because we really rely on our parents and, and yeah. uh, now you're grown up and have moved away and it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It is, it's really tough, but I love her. She's, she's the strongest person I know. And it's tough moving away from your parents, but do you know how tough it's been on them to have you <laughs> oh move so far away? The first time I moved, I moved to Toronto for a year and uh, that was, that was really hard on, on both me and, and my parents. And one day I heard baby girl come on the radio. Um, and I hadn't heard that song in years and like the Sugarland song. And it's, it's really like about, you know, them chasing their dreams and like telling mom and dad, like, please send money. I'm so broke that it ain't funny. And it was like totally my life and, um, kind of still is. And, um, it, I sent a, I, I tried calling my mom. I was driving. So I was, I was like, Hey Siri, call mom, you know? Right. And, uh, and it went to her voicemail. She didn't answer. And so over her voicemail, I, I'm singing baby girl and the radio's going. And my dad was like, text me ever like, why did you do that? Your mom's bawling. She can't stop crying now. So it, it's like, it's, I know it's been so hard on them and, and, uh, but they also just love to see me chase my dreams. That's awesome. And I saw you mention your grandpa, I believe when you were going to be opening up for Charlie major, you mentioned your grandpa was someone who used to sing or used to listen to Charlie major all the time. And so talk about him and maybe some of the other family members who helped instill a love of music within you. 
My grandpa, um, when he passed, that was so hard on my entire family. He was like my mom is for us. Like he was the rock to my mom's side of the family and, and really kind of like brought everybody together. And, um, he, uh, he got me into horses at a really young age. So, uh, my grandpa and I always shared a, a huge bond over horses and, and that farm life. And he'd, you know, I'd go out fix fence with him and, and, Honestly, when I think back to my young years with my grandparents, there was always music playing. The radio was always going like, you know, they I'd sleep over at my grandparents place and at 6 a.m. in the morning, like their radio was the 600 uh, CGWW like radio station coming on with old country music always playing. So uh, Charlie Major was one of his favorites. Um, and uh, the song It Can't Happen to Me was one of his favorite songs by Charlie Major. And so when I got the call to open up for him, I immediately just like, it felt like my grandpa was giving me that that uh, that spot, that stage to, uh, you know, when I met Charlie, I was like, my grandpa was the biggest fan of you. And, and he just, he just loved that. So it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like things sometimes just come full circle and when it's meant to be, you know? Right. Yeah. And now you have two cousins, Riley and Brody Seabird, who are both musicians. Yeah. Talk about them and the influence they had. Cause I think I saw that Riley was the one who started to teach you guitar when you were around seven. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny. Cause I, I started out and singing lessons at three, with a, um, a lady in, in Spiritwood who was teaching singing lessons. And, and then um, shortly after I started with piano and uh, I wanted to learn, you know, country and pop songs. And my piano teacher at the time, she was trying to really get me to play like classical music and stuff that just at like four or five years old, I just was not into. And right, yeah, um, so yeah about six years old, my, my cousin Riley, um, he, he was a huge country music influence for me because he was going around. I remember like you know, he, he just like, wasn't around on the weekends. He'd always be playing this festival or going to this competition. And he was all over Western Canada. Um, and he, I guess was just like this guitar, you know, genius. And he was playing guitar for me for years. And then finally my okay. parents were kind of like, okay, I think we need to free Riley up to do his own thing. So he doesn't follow you around and, and accompany you all the time. So let's learn some guitar. And, uh, and, and that's, that's what I did. I spent few years just taking lessons from him and and uh he let me learn the things that I wanted to learn and then snuck some of the things that he want, wanted me to learn in there like Creedence Clearwater and Poison and Aerosmith you know oh, nice. like some, of the, some of those like rock influences for him so um it was so fun and then Brody years later you know he never really showed an interest in music until he was about 16 15 16 years old and oh, okay. so he was kind of you know sort of in a way like followed in, in our footsteps and uh, but is still doing music to this day and releasing music. So um, it's, it's funny because our parents like weren't musical. They didn't play instruments or um, my auntie Rhonda, their, their mom, like showed, she would always say, I love music, but I can't carry a tune in a bucket. So um, it's interesting because they just like didn't have uh, musical uh, abilities and then right. their kids ended up with, with musical abilities. So it's pretty cool. It's, it made family functions pretty fun. Yeah, I bet. And so within that, what do you think it was within you that drew you to music at such a young age and gave you that passion to really follow it from like your first memories that you have? Yeah, I mean, 
it's funny because I always tell people that I don't, I don't even recall music not being a part of my life, like pursuing it. And, you know, young years of like kindergarten, when your teachers ask you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It was always like country music superstar. And like, right. you know, I was like, just really looking up to Martina McBride and Shania Twain and, and would, you know, spend my days sitting on like the old PC computer, listening to like watching, you know, Shania Twain music videos and Martina McBride music videos and, and, you know, asking for CDs for birthdays and stuff. So right. it's, it's funny. Cause I, I really don't know what like just drew me, but I just, what, like from such a young age was just so in it and knew that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I spent the first time I ever went into a studio that I can recall, like, you know, the whole experience was the, the real time that I was like, okay, this is this, I want to make a career out of this. Like, this isn't just a dream or, you know, some daydream I have anymore. It, it's a, uh, it's, it's a career option. So. Right. And now you won a grant through Relco radio to record an album. I believe, I believe that was back in 2010 ish. Now, is that that experience of the first time being in a studio? That is, yeah. I I did go in a couple times um, with my cousin Riley when he was recording. He recorded his first album, and I was really young though, and I sang like Rock and Robin. I don't know if you ever knew that song. Oh like, yeah, for sure. Really? Like I was so young, and I, I so I don't really remember being in the studio for that. But uh, the Rocco Radio 10K20 grant, I, I applied for that at like I think I was 12 years old, and then got the call that uh, I was the youngest recipient to ever receive it and uh, went into the studio and recorded eight original songs. And at like, you know, at 12 years old, but, like I had a lot of original songs. It was actually really crazy. And I think that's what kind of like blew them away that I was writing music at such a young age and understood structure of songs. And I think because at a young age, I was like nerding out on all the Shania and, and Martina McBride songs and, and right. paying attention to how they structured things. And um, so when I went into the studio with Rich McFarlane, it was like, very just such a cool experience because he, he really made it um, a learning experience for me too like I he would bring me in and I you know listened to the the drums being tracked and I and I got to you know sit sit in the studio with him and watch him like bring things to life and kind of show me what he was doing on the computer so I think that that was just like such a, a, a turning point for me I'm like this part of music is one of my favorites I love to write songs that's probably one of my favorite things and then taking it into the studio and watching it come to life is just like a whole other level of just like euphoria. It's just like so cool. And you feel like you're, you're in another like realm or planet or something like the way that musicians all communicate through music. And it's just right. like this universal language. It's, it's so cool. And, and I think that's what really like sparked it for me. And what happened to that album? Is it still around? <laughs> Were there copies printed or did it just sort of, did you get one handed to you at the end or what happened? No, I mean, you know, my, like I said, my parents were not musical people and they didn't understand the music business at all. Um, so we were kind of just like flying by the seat of our pants. We had no clue what was going on, but um, you know, Rich McFarland tried to really kind of steer us in the right direction, told us what to do with it and stuff. But at 13, it was, it was weird, but um, we we did get like, I think it was like 500 or a thousand copies printed and did like an album release party in Spiritwood at the like curling rink. And oh, okay. when everybody showed up, you know, actually my cousin Brody and I think Riley as well all played with like, full band. And it was just like this, 
I don't know. We didn't know what to do with it, honestly, but I was selling it at shows and I was, you know, just doing like the, the, what we did in the olden days. Like if we didn't end up online anywhere, I don't right. think, um, maybe somebody is like leaked it online now, but, um, it, yeah, it's just, it was just floating around. My parents still have copies of them and I hope they never see the light of day, but, um, it was, it was quite the experience. <laughs> That's amazing. And so within the business side of it and within being an artist, if your parents had really no idea what was going on, like, what was it like over those first few years when you're heading into your teens and you know, this is what you want to do? What was your mindset? Like what steps were you taking to sort of guide this along? Yeah. So, you know, I was always like in this mindset of like, never stop learning. And, um, I was taking, uh, all the lessons, you know, I was, I, I took up to my rural, um, my grade eight of rural conservatory of music. So oh, okay. I was, you know, on the, on the voice side of things, like constantly learning and trying to hone my craft. Um, and then entering, I was ending into all these competitions, like throughout Saskatchewan and Alberta, Manitoba, just kind of Western, uh, uh, central, um, Canada. And I, I think a lot of them actually came with, if you made it into the, you know, the competition, a lot of them came with like workshops and you'd have like right. a day where you'd go with all of your fellow competitors and, and, uh, you would, you know, you're just meeting people, you're asking questions and they're, they're giving us, you know, education on, on a lot of different things. And so I think that was part of it. And then, you know, as I got into like my, I think 17 years old, it was like going to CCMAs and, uh, uh, SAS music was offering workshops here within the, in Saskatoon. And I was going to those workshops. Like uh, we had, uh, our one lawyer, Kurt Dow, who, um, offers tons of just so much knowledge in the industry as a, as an artist, cause he's part of a band called one bad son. And then also right. on the flip side of like the legal side of things. So I was taking all, all these workshops and courses and just learning, like taking in so much information and then CCMAs offers all these workshops. And, and so I was just constantly putting myself in situations where I could learn something new. Um, and now I really enjoy the business side of things. And, and, um, it's, it's, it's fun. And it's, it's such a weird business. Like it's so different from any, you know, it's not just like selling houses. It's everybody gets a piece of your house and like, it's just, you know, all these things. So right. um, it's an interesting business to learn, but I'm glad that I put myself in these situations where I was always learning something new as I, as I grew up into this, because I feel like it really prepared me for what I was getting myself into. Right. Yeah. And talk about the importance of investing in yourself as an artist, because I think a lot of artists are out there you know, they're plugging away. They're like, I'm playing every show I can. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But for you, it feels like, like money wise, you've really put time and money into this career and into building this career. And so how important is that to really, if you want to do this, say I'm all in? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a thing. Like, I think even when it comes to like this whole pushing out of your comfort zone thing, and I'm, I'm such a big believer in in pushing that comfort zone. And if something scares you, you should probably do it. And, you know, within reason, I think that like, you know, nobody should be go going and jumping off a bridge for the Instagram op to right. you know, get TikTok views or whatever. But like, yeah. I think it's really important to just be pushing yourself in that comfort zone and, and taking a chance on yourself and, um, listening to the advice that people are giving or giving to you and, 
you know, when it comes to money, money is such a hard thing. And um, what I learned at a young age was just to, to go out and find it. Like I was applying for grants and if the grants were saying no, then I, I had Crystal Shawanda, who I worked with at a young age as well, yeah. um, told me to write up sponsorship pa- packages. And I wrote out, you know, I was like 17 years old, wrote out these sponsorship packages and I was going around to businesses in Saskatoon and asking if they wanted to, um, inve- you know, not even invest at this point, but like sponsor my first three songs that I was going to go and record. And, oh, okay. and it was, it was just like, I always went from like an entrepreneurial like vision and side of it. Like, how can I, you know, you know, my parents aren't, aren't wealthy people and they help me when they can, but um, when it comes to recording music and that big lump sum of money, I was like, I need to go out and find this. And when the grant said no, I, I uh, went out and found sponsorship and then that sponsorship actually turned into an investor. So um, it's finding, finding ways to make it work and believing in yourself too, right? Like I think that's, right. that's the most um, valuable thing because if you don't believe in yourself, how, how can anybody else? Right. Yeah. And now Crystal Shawanda, you mentioned her I believe in 2017, when you made your first trip down to Nashville, she was someone you worked with. So was she the reason that you were able to take that first trip to Nashville? Yes, actually, she um, uh, through a a family friend of my mom's. um, She was Facebook friends with Crystal Shawanda, like they'd met years ago and had added each other on Facebook. And and this this woman um, saw that Crystal had posted that she was taking on young uh canadian artists wanted to mentor and help and produce and so this friend of my mom sent it to my mom and was like hey like you know you guys know who crystal shawana is and like i loved her you can let go now daddy and so many you know so many songs that i i loved of crystals yeah and uh we immediately we reached out to her got her email reached out and she listened to some of my my youtube videos and things like that she's like i'd love to work with you and uh we chatted over the phone a couple times about like what that looked like and uh, I was itching to go to Nashville. You know, I had my cousins had gone and, and I hadn't been yet. And, you know, so it was that conversation with my dad at that point that like, I'm not going to university. I'm not going to college. <laughs> this is what I want to do. And right. that, that was a little hard for him at, at the beginning, I think, because he's like, you know how unpredictable this business is. Like, like, are you sure you want to do this? You don't want to get a backup plan. You don't want to go to school first and see, like get a job and like have that. And I was like, no, like, let's just go all in. And so my, my like college money that they had set aside for years, like they let me take that and go record three songs with Crystal. So um, it was quite the experience and I got to record at the house of blues studios in Nashville and um, such a cool experience. My dad came down with me and um, I I think that was the first like look for him to be like, Oh, this is, this is cool. So um, I think he regretted a little less that he handed me my college money to, to go record. (laughs) Right. And now over the years, you've had the opportunity to have quite a few showcases Now, within that, what is that experience like, especially as a young musician and sort of developing your onstage presence? What did those mean to you and how did they help you to evolve as an artist on the stage? Yeah, I mean, showcases, especially at CCMAs and stuff, it's um, it's always so great because I think that you just never know who's going to hear you. And actually um, ended up with my booking agency. in artists agency uh, through a, a, a CCMA showcase. So um, you just, I, you say yes to me. I, I've always kind of lived by like, say yes to every opportunity. If, if it's going to serve you in some way, it's, it's 
Um, maybe it's not paying, you know, a lot of those showcases don't pay you to play, but um, when you're at a place, you know, where it's, it's Canadian country music week and everybody's there, like with the, all the labels and the agencies and everybody's there. And, you know, um, actually my, my Saskatoon CCMAs uh, was one of my biggest ones. I was playing everywhere. It was all over the place. And uh, that's what led to this record label showcase. Two agencies were interested, three labels were interested. And it was, it was a really good, um, what's the word, I guess it was, it was, a learning curve for me for sure. And it was like the first time I'd ever showcased for a label and flew out to Toronto for that. And that's kind of what made me think maybe I should be in Toronto. And, uh, so shortly after that, I, I moved to Toronto, but, uh, it's, it's just interesting because you just never know what's going to come from a showcase. And, and, um, like I said, you might not be getting paid for it, but you might, it might really help you down the road. Right. And now let's talk about your music the single that has done the most for you next to your most recent single is I Wish You Could. And that was a song that came about three years after your original music that you had put out in 2016. And so talk about those three years from 2016 to 2019 and how important those years were in making sure you were ready as an artist to create and release music that was truly yourself and not rush music just to get it out. Yeah. Um, in, in 2016, when I released those two songs that I did with Crystal Shawanda, um, I, I had a whole different like look and, and I was so young. Um, I, I wrote those songs myself and, and they had this more like rock country vibe and I think because my brothers were listening to rock or like rock music constantly right. that I thought that maybe that was like the direction I wanted to go um and then realized that just like you know wasn't quite me I still love uh playing rock music and and listening to rock music and stuff but when it comes to what like really feeds my soul as an artist and as a songwriter, it's, it's more in this like pop country lane. And, um, it's funny cause growing up, my parents would always kind of like, it started, started to listen to like Hilary Duff and like, you know, all those like pop artists and my parents right. would, stop listening to that. You're a country artist, you know? <laughs> and so, um, I think I kind of like shut that part of me off for a while because I, it, to me, it was like, it wasn't allowed in country. Right. And then you had, you know, a lot of people doing this more like rock country thing at the time, like Brantley Gilbert was like pretty like out there and like was rock country. So I just kind of, I think I was doing what I thought I had to do rather than doing what I want, what I wanted to do. So yeah, definitely that, that three years was just like a lot of learning and molding myself and figuring out like what I wanted. And I think it's important to that. Like, I don't stick myself in a box. Like right now I'm doing pop country, but maybe in three years, I might want to do something really, really roots country, like where it all started and like listening to the Dolly Parton and the Willie Nelson and, and all that kind of stuff. So right. I, I never want to put myself in a box for right, right now. And, and for you know, the last four years, it's been like, I want to do something different in this pop pop country world. Right. And throughout those years and, and leading up to now, have you always been comfortable with leading yourself and making sure you're not taking too much influence from what people are saying around you of what you should be? Um, for a while there, I got a little bit uh, down on my songwriting. I, I had people in my camp and in my team that were kind of telling me like, 
oh, we got to take outside pitches. We got to, we got like other people, we, you know, these are, these are the songwriters in Nashville. Like um, that, this is the song you want to do. And I felt like my, my writing wasn't competing. So I kind of started to lose a little confidence in my writing and um, never lost, lost confidence in myself as an artist, but really lost confidence as a songwriter. And it took um, kind of to the end of that three years when I was releasing my first EP, I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a good songwriter and this is something that I love to do. So it's something I can keep growing and keep getting better at. And that's anything. You can always get better and always be better and try to strive for more. So um, I started taking more trips to Nashville just to write. Right. And uh, I started to regain that confidence again. So I think for a while there, it, it's hard to not like always not listen to what everybody else says. Cause I think you take yeah. certain things with a grain of salt and other things were, were valuable advice and good advice, but sometimes the good advice and the bad advice can kind of like get a little wishwashy and, and you're, you're kind of not sure how to take it all. Right. Yeah. And especially arriving in Nashville, did you find that it, there was a lot more sort of influence coming in and people saying, Oh, here's this Canadian coming to Nashville. This is who you need to be. That that's who you need to be. Or was it a pretty welcoming environment when you arrived in the city? Yeah. You know what? Um, I was just going to say Nashville. It's, it's maybe not what everybody expects. Everybody thinks like, Oh, there's so much competition in Nashville. And I think especially being Canadian and coming from um, this smaller like group of country can't like can, Canadian country music um that's the mentality going to Nashville thinking that it's just going to be competition but what I always loved every time I'd go there on a trip is everybody was so welcoming and so encouraging and like always finding the good and everything you're doing not trying to change what you were you were doing and I'm sure there's there is people um when, it, when you get into like the labels and you hear all the stories about like oh you know I think Cody Johnson was just saying that um he had four label offers on the table before he ended up signing with Warner and all four of them were like, yeah, we want to change this one, change that. I want to change this one, change that. And right. he was like, no, I'm not changing who I am. Like you, you showed interest because of what I'm doing. So I want to just find somebody who just loves me for, for me and just wants to elevate it. And um, so I think there's always going to be people that want to tell you who you should be, but for the most part, Nashville has been such a welcoming community for me and, and very uh, encouraging. So uh, I, that's what I love about Nashville and what makes me, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm at home in, in a weird way because it just um, everybody's so encouraging and, and everybody wants to lift you up and there's always somebody that wants to help you and, and give you this contact or this information. And, um, and I, I love that cause I'm so much like that. I'm like, here, how can I help? What can I do? And, and, um, the rest of that town is, is just 100% that way as well. Right. And I was talking to another Canadian artist who talked about the fact that there's maybe this thought within Canadian country music that, American country music sort of has this thing against Canada and they were like, no, they don't. But if you want to make it in Nashville, if you want to make it in the States, you have to be there. You can't be doing it from the outside. And so was that an important thing for you when you made this move was knowing that if you wanted to be an artist on a broader scale, that's where you had to be. 100%. And I've, I've always kind of seen that and and through the years of traveling there I've, I've you know made lifelong friendships and with uh with some Canadians and, and and some Americans and and Canadians that have been there for you know almost 10 years and they were always like if you want to be here like if you want to to make even just like 
make it, you know, or as a songwriter, as an artist, whatever it is, you got to be here. You got to be living and breathing it because what kind of happens, I think, is like when you travel back and forth, you start to like, you just start to get a little momentum. You get to like meet somebody that might completely change your life. And then you leave and you're gone for another six, seven months. And then that person kind of, you just slip to the back of their mind. And I think that's, what's so important about Nashville is like, it's just a constant community movement. It's like having the CCMAs every day. Like Canada, we have the CCMAs once a year, we all see each other for, you know, four days. And then we go a whole year without seeing each other in Nashville. We're constantly seeing each other. We're playing this round. We're, we're playing this showcase. We're hanging out this night. We're going for a write. We're writing, you know, with somebody new, but then it ends up being an incredible write. So then you book another one, but when you're just traveling there, you can't do that. Right, so yeah. I think it's just important to know that like, if you really want to commit and be in this industry, I think spending at least like eight of your 12 months in Nashville is so important because then you become the front of everybody's mind yeah. and you're creating a buzz for yourself and momentum. Right. And you have, it feels like from social media anyways, you have been able to create momentum within the city. You've been able to play um, the listening room, whiskey jam, some really great shows. So within your mind, sort of where do you feel you're at personally within this journey in Nashville within the last two or two and a half years? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of crazy because I've got a lot of friends that have been there for five plus years and, you know, you mentioned the listening room and they, they waited two, three years before they got to play the listening room. And I played the listening room six times in my first year of being there. Wow. So, you know, some of them, we like, they'll, they'll be like, ah, you know, we hate you for being able to do that. And it's like, but I kind of just went to that town with like, this this grind sort of like mentality. Like I'm just going to go and I'm going to meet people and I'm going to like, you know, find a balance and not wear myself out, but um, just kind of be where I need to be when I need to be there and write with this person because it, you know, just trying to make those connections and the right connections and uh, saying yes to all the the things that I felt like I needed to say yes to. And uh, I think that was like, really important for me when I moved there. But like I said, some, some of my friends, you know, play whiskey jam in my first year being there too. And, and yeah. they, some of them haven't, haven't played it yet. And not because they're not talented or they're not, they haven't been there. It's just, it's just sometimes it's like the way the stars align. So I, I, I just think moving there was one of the, like, the best decisions I've ever made. And it's, uh, you know, be, I'm home right now uh, in Saskatchewan and I've already got this, like this fear of missing out. Like, it, it's funny because you, you leave for like two weeks and it's like, I got a text from my producer. We're like, Hey, I'm doing a whiskey jam takeover on, on May 11th. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'll be in Halifax, but <laughs> you know, it's like, but I know that because I live there, like the opportunity will come back again. And, and, uh, and I gotta, you know, I gotta come back and see my family. I gotta go on tour. I gotta do the things, you know, it's, um, it's all, building blocks for my career so right yeah exactly and you mentioned on may 11th you'll be in halifax you are going to be going on a little tour here with the washboard union it's going to be your official your first official tour dates you've played many 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 shows over the years but not an actual tour so how exciting is that so exciting and i feel like i couldn't be doing it with like better people raquel is raquel cole is also on the tour and she's been she also lives in Nashville and she's been so wonderful to me and uh so welcoming and uh the washboard union you know these guys have been like messaging me on Instagram be like we're so excited to have you out and you know it's just they're so so humble and I've, you've met them a few times over you know different CCMA weeks and stuff and um they're just always 
just a joy to be around. So I honestly feel like it couldn't, it couldn't have been with better people. And, uh, like I said, first tour. So I'm, I'm just excited to see that. Like it's a new grind. It's a new hustle. You're waking up every morning, 7am bus call, you know, on the road to a new town and a new province half the time. So I'm really excited. It's going to be cool. And it's really good timing because your newest single broke to brand new is blowing up on Canadian radio. I mean, you said that you were home the other day in Saskatchewan, didn't think you'd hear your song. And then I think you said you heard it three times in one day. And so it's amazing. It's, It's getting so much play. And so how cool is that to be at this point in your career and have this song blowing up and going on this tour, have it all sort of meshed together? It's, um, it's overwhelming, but in like, and it's just so surreal and, and like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real yet, you know? Um, and I know a lot of other artists will say that, but I think it's so true because we just get so used to this, like, um, hearing the word no, we get really used to hearing the word no. And when we start hearing the yeses, it's almost like, when's the next no going to come then, you know, you're just like anticipating the ball to drop. And um, since honestly 2022 hit and, um, it's just been like, yes, after yes, after yes, after yes. And it's been, you know, there's been a couple no's in there, but knows that I'm okay with, like it's, it was, you know, better for me and, and, uh, and better for my career to, to have some of those no's and to say no myself sometimes. And, um, it, so just this song blowing up was just kind of, uh, just weird and wild because I didn't expect it ever. And, and you just kind of keep anticipating to just keep grinding, keep working. And, and then it kind of just happened. So coming home, like you said, it was like really cool. Cause uh, we put the the radio on the, on the TV and, and I like walked into the bathroom to go and we just turned it on. And then, you know, if we couldn't fix it, then why am I crying? And I'm like, I ran out. I was like, no way. Like we just <laughs> turned it on. So it was so cool. I like, just my mom's calling me because they're listening to because they were just kind of waiting for like that moment to happen. And I was like, stop calling me and videoing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So funny. Oh my gosh. It was so cool. And so I think going out on tour now, is going to be a whole new experience because I'm really interested to see if there's people in the audience that know the song. It's, it's going to be cool because Halifax has been playing the crap out of it and uh, Fredericton. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. That's awesome. And within this new landscape of music where streaming and social media followers mean so much, where does it all fit with getting radio airplay, getting streams, getting viewers on TikTok, whatever it is? Because before radio was it. If you were on the radio, that was it. But has streaming become more of an indicator, good or bad, in that regard? I think... um you know, it's weird because I, I kind of, I put more, um, value on radio play. And I know people, there's people that say, you know, radio's dying because of streaming and you got the social media and stuff, but I, I think radio will be always around. And I, I think that it's it, because there's only so many spots when it comes to radio that when you, when you get on the radio, it's like, it's more valuable to me because there's less, they're playing less on the radio. And it's, when it comes to streaming, it's so oversaturated. Like it's really hard to, to put a, a, a value on what 400,000 streams really means because um, a, they don't, it doesn't pay well. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, streaming, the streaming is really uh, it's hard to make a living on, on streaming numbers, but yeah. Um, but in, in the same, like when you flip it over, 
the, the U.S. radio or sorry, the U.S. record labels, they put a huge value on your streaming numbers. So if you want to even just walk into a meeting with a record label, they're like, what's her TikTok numbers? What's her, what's her streams, you know? And yeah. for me, that's so hard because it's like, I feel like then you're just like everybody else that's chasing TikTok and chasing the streams. And, and, you know, I put, I put stuff on TikTok, but I'm not sitting there waiting for it to blow up. I, I don't want, I don't want my career to be the, like, I don't want to be a TikTok artist. I, I want to yeah. really like be known for just putting the grind in and, and, and finding my way because I put the, the work in and the, not this instant gratification, you know? Right. So um, I think it plays a part and I think they're, it, they're tools to use um, to grow your fan base. But I, I never want to sign a record deal off of a song blowing up on TikTok. I, I, I'm trying to avoid that. <laughs> and within this journey of people trying to do that, of people trying to fast track this journey with blowing up on TikTok or on streaming or whatever it is, how do you gauge yourself? Like, how do you keep in the moment without saying, I have to be a star or else I'm not going to be happy? How do you keep yourself grounded so that you say, I have this awesome show tonight and that's all I need? I'm putting food in my fridge and that's all I need. And keeping this perspective of, I don't have to get to this certain point to be happy. I'm doing this as a living and I want that to make me happy. Yeah, I think like moving to Nashville and uh, like we're on, you know, as Canadians in Nashville, we're on visas where we can only do music. And so that's our only source of income. Um, I think that keeps me in very much in the moment. Like I'm, you know, I'm playing this show because that's what puts food in, in my fridge. And and uh, yeah, it's it's for me, it's less about the, the TikTok and the streams. And sure, I, I know from a business standpoint that, that it means something, but um, yeah, I mean, I think growing up and my parents have always kept me very humble and, and uh, keep me, keep me in line, keep me in check. And, and uh, has, they've, you know, taught me so much just being a good human. And um, I think, I don't know, it's, uh, it's hard to stay in the moment. I, I, I I believe that because we jump on TikTok and it's like 30 seconds, 10 seconds of just like you just, and then two hours has gone by. And yeah, exactly. Zoomed in it. Um, but I, I try to not do that. I try to stay off. If I need to post TikTok, post TikTok to make my manager happy, you know, and then, and then I'm off the app, I'm, you know, like get me off that thing. And, uh, uh, living in Nashville's helped me with that though, because when I was still here in, in, in Saskatoon and, and didn't have much to do, I, you know, it was to sit and scroll and then start to compare myself and see, you know, like lose the moment. And so living right. in Nashville, I've, I've gotten to just, I think, be like, wow, I live in the city. I better like appreciate every moment of it. Yeah. I saw you post on your socials one time, the quote, you can only rely on yourself. How important is that within your journey? Oh, so important because I've, I've worked with people and I've um, met people who, uh, who see something in me, but then it's like when, when something goes wrong or um, it's not quite going the way that they want it to, it's, it's my name that it's attached to. So like, if I'm going under, it's not them, they can like go attach themselves to another artist and like, you know, try it again. 
But right. for me, it's like, it's me, it's my business. It's, I'm the CEO of my company and um, it's my name. So it's not like I can just like, it's, I don't know. You can't just go change your name and try it again when you look the same. It's like a little hard, you know? It's yeah, exactly. You. So, um, so I, yeah, you really can only rely on yourself. And I think it's, it's, yes, you need to trust people and you need to, you know, have relationships with people and work with people. But I think in, in the end, it's like, always listen to your gut. If you think something broke to brand new, this song, uh, I had a lot of people on my team saying like, this isn't the song. Oh, this really? Is the one, you know, we should try to write something better. And me and my co-writers and, and some of the people that I was like, that were listening to it when I played it around and stuff, they were the ones that were like, this is a, this is a song. And I was like, I always had that gut feeling about it. And so now that it's doing the thing, I'm just like, this is why you listen to your gut, you know? So I, I think it is just important to, yeah, rely on yourself and listen to your gut uh, create relationships and, and trust people, but also just like when it comes down to it, trust yourself. Right. And so where's that leading right now? What are the plans for the future? You have new music in the works right now? Yes. Yeah. Um, as soon as I get back to Nashville here at the end of May, um, we're doing a, an album photo shoot and getting back into the studio to record three to four more songs for the rest of the album. And, uh, and then a couple more releases that are already actually recorded and ready to go. We're just kind of waiting for, uh, the, the time to release them. So nice. lots of new music. Um, that's just, my dream, my dream has been to record an album. Uh, EPs are great and singles are great, but I really want an album. I want a body of work. I, I love listening. Like I've been on repeat listening to humble quest by Mary Morris. And like, right. it's just, I think as a music lover, not even just an, a musician as a music lover, I love to just like, if there's an artist I love, I'll sit and listen to their album on repeat. So I just want people to, to have that option for me, if they love my music, I want them to be able to sit and listen to a body of work and, and get lost in like a concept of it, like that kind of is wrapped around it. So I'm working on a concept album. So I'm excited to, to announce that hopefully in the fall. Right. Yeah. I saw you talk about the fact it's a concept album. Now, can you give us any hints? <laughs> I, I don't want to give it away. <laughs> um, I will say you guys have seen like, um, you've seen both concepts so far, but um, I haven't, I haven't hinted at, at that in any way, but, um, had a good weekend was one side of the, the concept and then broke to brand new is another side of the concept. So if you, if you want to nerd out and listen to both and try to dif differentiate, you know, what it is that makes each song different, then you might figure out maybe like a bit of a, a theme. Right. That's awesome. And so as we look back on your journey and, how music took hold of you at such a young age and the fact you knew that you wanted to do this at such a young age. Now, when you're looking back on this journey and where you are today and the exciting things you have to come, sort of what do you think about this whole journey up to this point? Um, that, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that I wouldn't change a thing about it because, uh, there's, you know, there's been a lot of highs and a lot of lows and, and, uh, but every, every low and every high is just like made me a better person, a better artist, uh, you know, it's just made me grow in so many ways. So, um, you know, I wouldn't change a thing about it. It, I, I'm, when I moved to Toronto, I learned a lot of hard lessons. When I moved to Nashville, I, you know, my life changed forever. So, I, and I wouldn't have done it any earlier or any later because I think uh, everybody's journey is different and it, it, it is for, you know, it is that way for a reason. So I wouldn't change a thing. 
Thank you once again so much for listening. And thank you to Shantea for stopping by and sharing her story. Be sure to check out her newest single, Broke to Brand New, wherever you stream your music. Please also be sure to visit our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me and give us a follow there as well. Thank you once again so much for listening and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me. Music